What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire hitting you guys back up here on a Tuesday, September 11th, as we are making our way towards week number two and the Panthers' big divisional showdown with the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, tomorrow, I guess getting you guys ready right away here. Tomorrow is the crossover episode with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. We'll discuss some of the matchups and have predictions and get you guys ready for Sunday's game. But for today, we are going to look back one more time at the Dallas game. We're going to look at the snap counts and some of the PFF grades for the Panthers against the Cowboys. But uh, first thing we got to lead off with here is the injury updates because obviously two key names – uh, went off the field on Sunday against the Cowboys. And we have a little bit of an update on the two of them. So we'll start with Greg Olson, the tight end, who left with a foot injury in the first quarter. And as it turns out, he refractured his surgically repaired right foot. So uh, the, so he did, he pretty much re-aggravated it. The same injury he suffered last year that cost him nine games in 2017, uh, looks like he's going to be out a good bit of time again because it lo- there's already talk about uh, Ian Thomas. They've already asked uh, Ron Rivera how he feels about Ian Thomas. And Ron Rivera said he's pretty well rep- prepared to replace Greg Olson. Uh, Will Rivera said, quote, there are some things obviously that he still has to learn. And he's got a long ways to go in terms of that natural feel that Greg has, having that rapport that Greg has. So we'll see, unquote. Um, at least it's not a, you know, uh, yeah, g- losing Greg Olson obviously hurts because he's he's the trusted veteran. He had always been the, uh, the favorite target, the kind of safe, safety option for Cam Newton. He always had kind of that great relationship that brotherhood almost with Greg Olson on the field. So from that aspect and from kind of a veteran leadership, uh, it's going to hurt, but we saw how Ian Thomas played in the preseason. And for those that follow the draft, you saw, you saw what he was uh, at Indiana. So we know he's a good pass catching tight end. He showed it in the preseason. He, he could, I feel pretty confident. I shouldn't say pretty confident. I feel confident that Ian Thomas would be able to step right in and be that leader at the tight end position. Remember, the Panthers were high on Thomas, even going back to the draft. If you remember, they were sitting there with the fourth pick, or excuse me, the first pick of the fourth round in the NFL draft in the NFL draft back in April. So essentially, and it was the uh, first pick of day three. And I think the Panthers got a couple offers for that, for that pick, which was number one one overall. And they didn't budge. They sat on the pick and Ian Thomas wound up being the guy. So they liked what they saw out of Thomas. Felt he could uh, fit right in Carolina. And it looks like we're going to get an early look now at what he can do in uh, big game situations. And uh, 
you know, like Taylor Moten at left tackle, it's kind of like the the future is now for the the tight end position. You know, in terms of what we thought was going to be a little bit down, a couple of years down the road till Ian Thomas really took over that number one tight end spot. Now he's going to get thrust into that role r- rather quickly because of the injury. And again, if it since it is basically the same injury as it was last year, it definitely looks like uh, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, injured reserve, of course, is a possibility for Greg Olson. Again, he missed nine games last year, so it's very possible that they slap him on there uh, with a designation to return. Because again, you can you can bring back two players from injured reserve, and it's very possible we know we could see who the two are going to be, as we'll get into in a little bit. But again, with Ian Thomas, uh, it's it's not as bad of a situation as it was last year when the Panthers had to rely on Ed Dixon. And apart from that one game, I believe against Detroit, where he broke out for I think five catches and over 100 yards, Dixon was rather quiet in place of Greg Olson. I don't think Ian Thomas is going to be that quiet. I think he's going to be just fine. I think this offense is going to be just fine with Thomas in there. Uh, I, I think Cam Newton is going to build that relationship with Thomas. And, again, you, you're losing you're, – you're just losing that veteran leadership, which obviously stings. But, you know, that's where a guy like Cam Newton just has to continue to step up and be the leader of this offense – and rally the troops. Uh, Devin Funches obviously has to continue to step up. Uh, Tory Smith, Jairus Wright. So, but uh, like I said, I, I think the Panthers will be just fine with Ian Thomas there as the number one tight end. The other name, of course, that we have to talk about is Darrell Williams, because uh, as it turns out, he will undergo knee surgery for. The injury he suffered, which turned out to be a new injury to the same knee in which he tore his MCL and just dislocated his kneecap. Uh, So, like I said, Greg Olson possibly could go on uh, IR. And um, Ian, or excuse me, Dare Williams very possibly could do the same. And I think we kind of saw what uh, what the Panthers will do in that situation as well, because uh, Amini Silatolu ended up stepping in at right tackle when Darrell Williams went down. So very likely that's the direction uh, the Panthers are going to go for the time being, which, again, will probably be for quite some time, because uh, Dar- Dar- the way I understand it, you know, looking at these injuries and looking at what they're saying, Darrell Williams looks more likely to head to injured reserve than Greg Olson is. And it, but it wouldn't be surprising to see both of them go on injured reserve and both could end up being the, the two players that the Panthers designate as their uh, return from IR players. Uh, but Darrell Williams almost, you know, especially since 
it is very likely that he's going to head to injured reserve. He certainly is going to be uh, one of those two return players. Uh, but as far as Silatola going in, uh, you know, it's we know he's kind of a an average guard. He's certainly not the the star caliber. And that's at guard. Now we're talking right tackle, where of course you're going up against uh, a lot of a lot of pass rushers. You know, look at you look at this week against Atlanta, where uh, you're bringing Vic Beasley and uh, Takaris McKinley after you. So a uh, bit of a tough spot out of the, out of the gate for Silatolu at right tackle. The Bengals are going to bring some. Some good pass rush with uh, Michael Johnson and Carlos Dunlap. So um, even like with Taylor Moten over at the left side, these are still some tough matchups that these two guys with very little experience at uh, the bookend position are going to have to deal with over the next couple weeks as they're kind of thrust into these roles. So, So without a doubt, I mean, this is quite the drop-off in terms of talent going from Darrell Williams to Amini Silatolu. Again, the the drop-off in talent from Greg Olson to Ian Thomas is just more of that uh, veteran leadership. Uh, but from Darrell Williams to Amini Silatolu, it's, it's a drop-off. And you're already starting to see the lack of depth on the offensive line start to rear its ugly head. So I'd be... So this, this is a spot where I'm a little concerned with Silatolu at right tackle, you know. So it looks like Corey Robinson was a guy that they more or less brought in just just for depth because of all the uh, the injuries that they've they've accrued over the last couple of weeks along the line. But yeah, th- this one's going to sting. Uh, both both injuries certainly will will take its toll. But I think the the Williams injury will be more of a bitter pill to swallow than the Greg Olson injury because of who's going in to replace them. So before I move on, and after this kind of quick break, we'll talk about the snap counts and PFF grades for the Panthers from week one. But I want to remind you guys to go check out mybookie.ag because they are your best bet this season when it comes to laying down some cash and winning big and just an all-around great betting website because they've been in business for years. They have great reviews, so go check them out because, again, they're they're fantastic. Uh, remember, they have live in-game betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and you can bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in a given game. So go to my bookie right now. Create your account and use the promo code locked on, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Again, my bookie online, M Y B O O K I E. Use the promo code locked on, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. So if we take a look now, as we jump in thanks to our good friends over at pro football focus take a look at the snap counts for 
the Carolina Panthers. We'll start with the offense. Uh, they played the, the team as a whole played 68 total snaps. Three players played all 68 snaps. That was Greg Van Roten at left guard, Taylor Bowen at left tackle, and Trey Turner at right guard. Ryan Khalil played 67 snaps, as did Cam Newton. Uh, as Tyler Larson also got one snap in at center. Uh, and then Christian McCaffrey played 57 snaps, as did Devin Funchess. Darrell Williams, 56 snaps, of course, before getting injured. Torrey Smith, 51 snaps. And then Ian Thomas, as again, Greg Olson went out pretty early after just 16 snaps. So Ian Thomas ended up playing 37 snaps. Chris Manhurts played 35 snaps snaps as that's an, another factor of course with this injury it means Chris Manhurts now steps up as the number two tight end you know he's been obviously just mostly a blocking tight end but now he's the number two unless the Panthers go out and sign somebody or say bring up uh, Jason Vanderland from the practice squad but Thomas 37 snaps Manhurts 35 Jairus Wright 31 Alex Arma 20 snaps DJ Moore 17 Greg Olson, 16. Uh, Mini Silatolo, again, after Darrell Williams went out, Silatolo played 15 snaps. C.J. Anderson, 12 snaps. And then one snap each for Brian Cox, Corey Robinson, Tyler Larson, J and then your specialist, J.J. Jansen, Michael Pilardi, and Graham Gano. As far as grades go from PFF, Cam Newton was actually the highest-graded offensive player for the Panthers at a 77.2. He was given a 72.3 in the passing game, 73.1 in the run, and a 60 in run blocking. Uh, next on the list was actually Greg Olson in his short time. Got a 76 overall grade from PFF, 87.4. Uh, in passing snaps, 67.7 in pass blocking snaps, uh, and a 41 point, but his worst was just a 41.8 grade in run blocking snaps. CJ Anderson comes in third with a 75.6 and was also got a 73.73.5 grade in the run game. And they were actually the only three players to grade 70 or better against the Cowboys. Uh, then the players that got at least a 60, there was actually a bunch that graded 60 or better. Devin Funches with a 68.4. Uh, Greg Van Roten with a 65.8. Alex Arma, 65.1. Darrell Williams, 64.9. Christian McCaffrey, 64.8. But he also got... An 87.3 grade in passing snaps. Taylor Bowden also with a 64.8. And then a 60 even for Brian Cox, Corey Robinson, Tyler Larson, J.J. Jansen, Michael Pilardi, Graham Gano. But again, they're the guys that only played one snap. So take that grade with a grain of salt. Jairus Wright with a 59.7. Ryan Khalil, 59.2. DJ Moore, 55.8. Chris Manhurts, 54.4. 54 
Torrey Smith, 54.2. Trey Turner, 52.8. Ian Thomas, 51. And Amini Silatolu, 45.3. That includes uh, 47.3 pass blocking grade and 43.8 run blocking grade. It's only week one, but those numbers are certainly a little concerning. Again, if you're especially if you're playing at the bookend, which Silatola will do at right tackle. So again, with guys like uh, Tack McKinley or Vic Beasley coming at you this week, uh, Carlos Dunlap or Michael Johnson coming at you in week three, uh, the Giants in week five, if uh, Olivier Vernon can get it straight. So it's it's going to be a t- bit of a tough stretch there for Silatola going up against some some tough pass blockers there, but uh, so not not the best of grades, but I mean 77 still is a, a decent grade in terms of PFF, and the fact that it is the quarterback leading the way at least is uh, a pretty good sign for this offense. If we flip the script then over to the defense, we see that the most snaps. And this was out of 64 total snaps. There were four players that played all four snaps on defense. That was Dante Jackson, James Bradbury, Shaq Thompson, and Mike Adams. Luke Kuechly played 63 snaps. Of course, he had that minor scare late in the game, had to come out, but was right back in there. So he played all but one snap. And then Captain Munnerlyn played 47 snaps. So you you could see there they ran a lot of nickel with Jackson, uh, Jackson, Bradbury, and Munnerlin in there. So Munnerlin with 47 snaps, Wes Horton 43, Denoris Searcy 41 snaps, Mario Addison played 37, Dontari Poe and Kaywon Short each with 35 snaps, Kyle Love with 31, Brian Cox 26. Vernon Butler, 25. Julius Peppers, 24. So that that's also a, a showing of how much they like to rotate their defensive line. I mean, you're talking that six players there between 24 and 37 snaps. And again, Horton with 43. So Wes Horton actually re- led the way among defensive, defensive linemen. But again, it just shows kind of how deep they are at that position. Colin Jones played 23 snaps, and David Mayo played 18. Now, David Mayo was credited with a start because they did run three linebackers on the first play. But again, it was a lot more nickel packages, which we pretty much expected for quite some time. So a lot of nickel package, and obviously expect to see that a lot more on Sunday with the way the Falcons like to run their offense and a lot of 11 personnel. Grade-wise, Luke Kuechly led the way. Not really a surprise there. All over the field with 13 tackles. So 76.4 grade for him. Was given a 72.9 in tackling, a 76.1 in coverage. That was actually also, he was also number one in that category as well. So overall defensive grade and coverage grade, Luke Kuechly was tops. 
He did get just a 40.4, though, in pass rush. But, listen, we're not going to bash him for, for that. He's just fine everywhere else. Uh, next highest grade was K1 Short with a 73. James Bradbury with a 71.7. Uh, and also got a 69.6 in coverage. Shaq Thompson, 71.6. Julius Peppers with a 70.2. So five players on defense scoring at least a 70 grade uh, among the defensive players. So that also means that Cam Newton was the highest graded player overall on offense and defense. Then you had Mike Mike Adams with a 69.4. Colin Jones with a 64.8. Mario Addison, 64.6. Vernon Butler, 64.6. And Denoris Searcy rounded out the top 10 with a 63.4. And David Mayo, 60.9. Kyle Love, 58.4. Dontari Poe, 56.6. Dante Jackson, 52.4. Brian Cox, 52.1. Wes Horton, 51.4. And rounding things out was actually Captain Munderland with a 50.2. So I get a lot of nickel packages, but he graded out with just a 46.1 in coverage. So, again, only week one, so kind of take these with a grain of salt, but it will be interesting as the season goes on, if they start to incorporate someone like Corn Elder a little bit more in that nickel position. Uh, but so those are the grades and the snap counts for the offense and the defense. Real quick, I want to remind you guys about some of the fun stuff we're doing here at Locked On. At, on the Locked On Network, including our new fantasy football show, uh, Vinny Iyer. Getting all kinds of great guests every day, every week to bring you the latest news and features regarding your fantasy football team, uh, hot what hot waiver wire moves, and all the latest news and notes that you need to set your lineup and get yourself a W this week. Also, we're continuing to expand the college network. Again, we're adding Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State to the Locked On Network in the college ranks, in addition to all the other colleges we've added so far, like Penn State, like Alabama, and all those good guys. So keep an eye out on them and go check them out. They're doing some great work over there. And, of course, great work all across the Locked On Network, too. Uh, so that'll wrap things up here. Again, that's a neat look at how PFF viewed the Panthers for Week 1. Reminder, tomorrow... Aaron Freeman and I join forces on Crossover Wednesday as we'll t get you ready, talk about some of the matchups and bring you some predictions to get you ready for Sunday's big divisional battle between the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. So until next time, Bill Rossetti. Follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E. Follow the podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And remember to keep it locked here right here with the Panthers on the Locked On Podcast Network. So until next time, I am signing off. We'll see you next time right here on LOP. Take care, my friends.